Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, good afternoon to the Gospel for Life brothers. Uh, I have the regulars in the studio today again. Brothers, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. We're doing fine. Feeling blessed to be here with, when, in great company with you guys. Yeah, this is always fun. Well, we have been trekking through questions that our listeners have um, submitted. If you would like to ask a question and have it be on air, just email us at info at reformationboise.com or stop in at one of our churches and say hi and ask us a question and maybe we'll get on the air. Real, real quick, around the circle, Phil, uh, Phil Moran, where can people find you at? I'm a pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church, uh, and we meet in Meridian in the middle of Kleiner Park. Uh, there's a building there, don't worry. Uh, we're not outside in the cold, uh, but you can find us online at ChristPressBoise.org. Excellent. Jonathan? Dayspring Reformed Church, and you can find us on the web at DayspringBoise.com. We meet up in the Overland Vista area uh, using the Whitney Friends Church. We're blessed to be there. Sweet. Russell, are you texting? I am not. <laughs> He's looking up where he's <laughs> What's our what's our website? I'm again? looking up our website because what it used to be is not what it is anymore. And so I was just double checking before I said it. We are at um thirty five eighty Cloverdale Road, um just north of, of Eustick and um our website is cloverdaleurc.org. Excellent. And uh, you can find us. Uh, I'm Josh, uh, one of the pastors at The Well at thewellboise.com. We're right there on Cole and Fairview. All right. So new question today. Um, here it is. Is fasting something all Christians should do? And then part two is why is so little said about fasting in our churches? Hmm. Well, I don't it, know if I should go first or it, second it, because it, I think I'm going to disagree with my brothers on this. So go ahead. I'll do my preemptive strike. Yeah, launch, go ahead, launch. Um, when Jesus was asked about quite, uh, fasting in Matthew 9, it says the, the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus' answer said, was, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they, then they, sh- they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch, tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. I actually think Jesus is giving us some pretty profound teaching here, and he's saying there's fasting that happened in the Old Testament, happened before he came because they're waiting for the bride to come or the bridegroom to come, but the bridegroom is here. He's going to be taken away, and at that time it's okay to fast. That was after his death. 
But I think after the resurrection, the bride is not separated um, from the bridegroom. We feast with Christ. Um, we have been given the promise that Christ is with us um, till the very end of the age. Um, so I, I don't think it is necessary to fast. Um, I'm not sure I would include it in the list of Christian disciplines because um, I believe that we have the ongoing presence of, of Christ with us um, in a way that was not true in earlier times. And so if you want to fast, that's okay. Um, but I, I don't find it necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure now I'm going to be um, disagreed with and, and right, corrected. The rocks, yes. <laughs> only, only, only partially. Um, that uh, I, would, I would agree with you, Russ, that it should never be a legalistic burden. And I think perhaps that's why, and, and, I, and I will say that perhaps that's why among, among the Reformed and Protestant churches, uh, there's not been uh, uh, there. The part of the question was, you know, why don't why don't churches talk about it? And among the Reformed and Protestant churches, uh, we probably don't talk about it a lot. I, I think it's just something that uh, we wanted to get away from. Historically, uh, the Reformed churches wanted to get away from fasting as a legalistic prescribed burden. Uh, that you have to fast every year during Lent, and uh, there, you know, this is prescribed by the church. And well, no, uh, it should never be. And I, I would say in response to you know the text in Matthew that you quoted, that I, I would read that as during the time that Jesus was physically present with his mm-hmm. disciples, fasting wasn't appropriate. They're celebrating. Right. It can be appropriate now, uh, but never as a legalistic burden. And another place where Jesus uh, teaches about fasting, of course, is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew. Right, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. In other, in other words, wh- whatever attention they get, they're, they're trying to draw attention to themselves. Oh, right. oh woe is me, I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. Look at me, how spiritual I yeah. am. And Jesus says, whatever satisfaction you get out of that, enjoy it because it's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get. Yeah, I think it, you know, the key word there is when you fast. It's, it's not if you fast, it's when. And the idea is that um, we as believers would fast. Now, I know that uh, you, you, you po- talked about, uh, you know, you got your reward by getting attention from men. I, you know, my wife works in an environment and, um, you know, she's in an environment where there are Mormons, and I understand that they actually fast on on Sunday. They don't feed their kids; even they they force that fast upon them as well. Um, that's just some that's new idea. I learned that in the last couple of weeks. But uh, you know, and they said, "Well, don't you, they?" Asked her, "Well, don't you Christians fast?" Yeah, but we don't tell anybody. We you know we anoint our our face with oil. We don't go around you know. Poor me, I'm, look at what I've given up. Um, sometimes people think fasting is just going hungry. But fasting is not just going hungry. It's actually for a spiritual benefit. What is it? We're putting an exclamation point on our prayer. We're, we're uh, uh, 
setting aside other things so that we can draw near to Christ because he promises if uh, we draw near to him, he draws near to us. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord so he can lift us up. So there are spiritual benefits that we have in in fasting. It's a, you know, it can be part of an expression of uh, pure repentance too. Well, that's the end of the passage that Phil you didn't read it. I thought you were going to read the whole thing. Yeah, you well, I, I, You're I, waiting for me? I, well, no, I was, I was going to. Jonathan cut me off. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do that often. So, so, so the that. end of the passage, it says, But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, there is a, a – you said it. Jonathan, a spiritual uh, benefit for fasting. And it's this. Um, I mean, I would argue that G- Jesus uses the same language here about fasting as he does about prayer. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And mm-hmm. I would just argue that there is a, there is a benefit of, mm-hmm. in, in one sense of receiving more of God in those times. Yeah. Like, for instance, may, I, I think maybe there's a little bit of a parallel in 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul is talking about how the wife and the husband should not deprive one another of the marriage bed, but then he says, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer. And I think there's at least a little bit of a, a parallel there with yeah. fasting. Like, yeah. why would you fast? So that you can devote yourself more fully to God during that time. Right, right. right. I can tell you, well, um, in a minute I'm going to say don't ever talk about fasting, but now I'm going to talk about it. Um, and and I'm no, I'm no great uh, hero of of fasting. Let me preface this by saying that. But let's say you've taken a, a day, one day's fast, and I would I would also say, uh, mind your health, um, particularly if you're diabetic or hypoglycemic or or have some mm-hmm. other uh, you know problems that are related to nutrition. Be really careful about this, and don't feel some kind of an obligation. You know, you God God wants you to take care of your body. Um, but um, I can tell you from personal experience that let's say you fasted for a day. When you, when you wake up the next morning after a one-day fast or, or a multiple-day fast and you get up in the morning and you make yourself breakfast and you sit down to that breakfast, you're, you're going to look at that meal in a whole new way. And you think about your gratitude to God in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always, in, my, in my house, we always pray before meals, but... You know, sometimes we, we, you know, we take it for granted, that provision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a, a fast can be just a reminder of gratitude, how grateful we are that God provides our daily bread. Well, I think when, I think just helping somebody, if somebody's going to fast, how do you do it? Like when that hunger pain comes on, what do you do with that? Do you just grit your teeth and, and try to legalistically say, well, this is how I earn favor with God? No, that would be the no. exact wrong way to fast. A- that, that's that's absolutely. not the biblical way. No. But, but I think one of the ways that you can use your hunger pains, you can use your hunger pains as a sign to say, okay, God, yes, I'm really hungry. I feel it in my body. But I'm more hungry for you. Draw right. me into your presence. Help this hunger that my body's feeling be expressed in a hunger for you more. And that's it, we're talking yeah. about devoting yourself to prayer. Fasting is really pointing to what you hunger mo- most for, and and it is God Himself. There's not a whole lot that has in the Christian community that's been written about fasting, but John Piper actually has a good book. It's called Hunger for God, which is that's that's really truly what we're hungry for when we fast. There's a spiritual purpose, but. 
behind this. If there's no spiritual purpose to your fast, if you're just doing it once a week, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, right now, even in our day, uh, just denying a meal is supposed to be a good thing, uh, you know, for you physically. If you're only doing it for that purpose, you're really not fasting. You're just being hungry. Uh, that's all. It, that's all it amounts to. So I, I would point somebody who's really interested in this subject. Um, you might be able to Google information uh, with John Piper. I think he's got a little article on it, but also his book Hunger I've read for, that. I've Hunger read that for God. I think it's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm going to just push back just slightly again. Here's the the contrary bear argument. Um, I think it's significant that you don't actually read of fasting in the epistles. It's never talked about in instructions to the church. Um, and I think it's significant that when we're said to have a longing for God, what we get is the Lord's Supper. We actually are given a meal in right. anticipation of the feast that's to come. Um, so I think you really have to seriously step back and ask the question, why are you fasting? Mm-hmm. Is it to get more of God? Mm-hmm. Um, can you get more of God through fasting than you can in prayer? And I think we just have to, there was a, a fundamental shift that happened when, with the coming of Jesus Christ, and I think this permeates the Sermon on the Mount, that what happened was an intimate relation of father-son, father-child, um, father-daughter, however you want to uh, apply it personally, that I, I think something changed. And I, and I don't think you necessarily get more of God from fasting than mm-hmm. you do even just in prayer because what I think the teaching of the context of when that is talked about is that we have a Heavenly Father that knows us, loves us, cares for us, and wants us to come to Him and ask Him, and and He will give, because why? He's a good Father. What? I, um, and so I think we have to be careful with, with fasting, just I would, I would because I think agree it's been used with, as a club. I would agree with you with regard to what, where we get Christ better would be in the Lord's Supper, only we're talking about an individual act as well as a corporate act. And I think the individual action uh, can lend itself to fasting to receive from God, whereas the corporate act is to receive his blessing in the Lord's Supper so that we understand what he's done for us. All right. Well, uh, we hope that you enjoyed the show today. If you would like to listen to some of our past broadcasts, just go to your pod catcher and type in the gospel for life and you can find us there or uh, go to reformationboise.com we'll see you next time 